Well, good morning and uh, a very happy new year to everyone. Um, apparently, there's a, there's a petition about 2019, about not having 2019 at all, but just doing a rerun of 2018 uh, because it was so entertaining. And uh, maybe the sequel, 2018 too. Uh, but I hope you had some good moments over Christmas. Uh, I always get so excited uh, at Christmas, particularly when you're a kid. I think there's something magical about the Christmas tree, uh, the presents under the Christmas tree, whether it's, um, it's seeing all the presents under the Christmas tree, it's waiting to open the presents, or seeing the gifts that you've got for someone else and seeing their faces when uh, light up, hopefully, uh, when they open something. And uh, yeah, just, just love it. And uh, you don't have to be a kid. I still love it, if I confess it. I still love that. And I was thinking about this talk and this practice of study, looking at the Bible, and I pulled out some very old notes of mine. These are from about 30 years ago. I found them in the loft. And uh, it's on a passage from uh, Ephesians 1, 3 that says, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's a great verse. And then under it, I've written, It's Christmas, Andy. And then I've started to kind of draw out all sorts of things, blessings that you might have, the fruit of the Spirit, other blessings in the Bible. And I've kind of drawn them, I've scribbled them out like presents, so different shapes, different sizes, some as boxes, some as crackers, some as letters that you might kind of open. Um, and then under it all, I've, um, I've, well, above it all, I've put this, they lie beneath the tree, only half unwrapped. But with an excitement of, I've still got unwrapping to do. There's still some things I've not got to yet. Um, and kind of the, the joy of trying to do that. And I think as we're looking at the practice of study, studying the Bible, that is the heart of what this is all about. It's about unwrapping the gift of God's word uh, in our lives. And then I've scribbled down these six thoughts, and you probably can't read my writing, so I have typed them out, uh, of some thoughts that I had as I kind of think about the things under the Christmas tree. And uh, this is, these are kind of what they are. First of all, as you come to the Christmas tree and the presents that are under it, I want to know what I've got. Yeah, it's pretty obvious, but I want to know, is there anything there for me? Uh, secondly, I want, to, I want to enjoy opening them. You know, opening a present can be as enjoyable as the gift itself. There's the big reveal, you know, what is in it? Uh, what might be there as you wrestle with the sellotape uh, yet again? Uh, thirdly, you want to be thankful to the person that's got it for you. You know, you want to express some sort of appreciation that there might be. So who is this one from? And you look at the tag. Uh, fourthly, I want to make sure that I don't miss something. You know, there's, you know that time when you get, the, you, know, you get the card and you shake it just to see if there's any, any money in there. You, know, you don't want to miss something. My dad once bought my mum a ring for Christmas and he hid it in a, in a jar of sugared almonds. Can you imagine not checking? You know, it's, it, was, it was in there. You, I don't think she swallowed it, but um, there we go. You don't want to miss something that is in there. And uh, I also want to find out how everything works. You know, how does this board game work? You know, how do you put these things together? Uh, how does it all work um, together? Uh, so that I can use it to the best potential and make the most use of it that there might be. Uh, and then also we want to keep them, or I certainly do. I want to keep them and enjoy them for as long um, as I'm able to and as the best that I can. And so it is with God's word. As we come to the Bible, as we come to his words, as we come to his promises, as we come to his principles on how to live life, then I think all of these things apply to it because studying the Bible can be like opening gifts on Christmas Day, not leaving them half unwrapped. 
because I definitely want to know what is in here. What, what is in here for me um, in particular? I want to enjoy kind of getting to know what it is. I don't want to rush it. I want to open it and enjoy the process uh, of that. Um, then I can thank and be appreciative to the one uh, who's given me everything. And I certainly don't want to miss anything. It's always worth checking your Bible, by the way, just in case there is something in there. Um, I want to understand how it all works, how it all comes together so that I can make the most of it in my life and, and enjoy the truths of it for as long and, uh, and hold on to them throughout my life. Who knew studying the Bible could be that exciting and uh, so much fun? So I encourage you to be creative uh, with it. But as each of us come into 2019, we will all face very different pressures. We will all face very different challenges, different stresses, different things that are unknown in your life at work, in your family, um, in your relationships, in your health, in your life. Um, so many opportunities and yet so many challenges. And for every one of us, that is different. And therefore, every single one of us needs as much encouragement and as much wisdom as we can possibly get for all that life uh, will throw our way. And in Joshua 1, and these verses from 7 to 8 that Judy read to us, we see God encouraging Joshua in his leadership. And just think about it for a moment. Um, because Joshua is taken on and taken over from Moses. Right? Moses is no ordinary character in the Bible. You know, the mighty Moses and all that he did for decades, Joshua's got to step into those shoes and he's got to lead a whole new generation. This literally is Moses the sequel and uh, he's got to live up to everything that went before and beyond. And so God encourages him. And in verse 7 and, and 8, as we said, he says, be strong and very courageous. But it's one thing to say that, isn't it? It's another thing entirely to enable somebody to be strong and very courageous, whatever comes their way. And so what God then does is he goes on and he says this. He says, Joshua, basically, your strength and your courage will come from my word. Your strength and your courage for this year will come from my words. So meditate on the word of God. Believe its promises. Obey its commands and its principles. Because that is exactly what Moses had done as he counseled the people of God um, in the former generation. You know, Deuteronomy 11, during uh, his, leaders, his years of leadership, Moses had, um, had kept a written record of God's words, of his acts, of the journeys, of the stories, and he got the priests to kind of write it down and keep it and guard it, and it was the book of the law, and it included the book of the covenant, and it recorded everything that God had done with his people, and the regulations, and he even taught them a song that he wanted them to learn as well. Probably the entire first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, were there uh, and for them. And uh, it wasn't enough for the priests just to carry this around and to guard it um, as a precious book. But Joshua had to take time to read it daily, to make it part of his inner person by meditating on it. Now, when I first started out on my journey as a Christian, um, I really struggled with the Bible. I floundered big time. You know, I needed armbands to kind of get around what this book was all about. Um, or the 66 books that are within it. You know, where do we start with it? How do I understand it? Uh, what do I make of it? How do I apply it to my life? 
But after a couple of years, I came across a, a very little book. It was, it was no bigger than my mobile phone today. Okay? And it, just, um, it was called Quiet Times for Christian Growth. And my eye caught it at this Christian event on a book table somewhere. And I thought, 50p, I'll have that. And uh, I took it away. And it opened my eyes to, to what the Bible was really all about. It had a series of topics. I think it was eight. It had talked about knowing God, talked about prayer, talked about fellowship, talked about priorities, talked about evangelism, talked about God's will, quiet time with him, all of those kind of things. Um, and then it had a series of passages under each of those sections and a series of very simple questions that helped me to begin to unpack what it was all about. And the introduction to the book was, um, was from, on Psalm 1. That amazing psalm that talks about meditating on God's word and delighting in God's word. And then it has those incredible promises if you read Psalm 1 uh, towards the end of the blessings and the benefits that come with it. It talks about fruitfulness in your life. It talks about resilience in your life. It talks about spiritual prosperity and success just like we've read here in Joshua. And that little booklet introduced me to studying the Bible and it genuinely becoming a delight in my life. And I think those two key aspects of having a key passage on some sort of topic, and then those questions that go with it, the key questions, I discovered those questions are the tools to really dig in the treasure up that is within uh, the Word of God and within the Bible. Good, simple questions on a relevant passage in the Bible. So let's go back to Joshua again in these couple of verses. It says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And apparently the Hebrew word translated meditate means to mutter. It's a great little word, isn't it? Mutter. And uh, people would often mutter the scriptures. Um, so they would read it out loud. They would speak it out as they read it. Um, and they would talk about it as well. So in Acts chapter 8 and uh, verses 26 onwards, we have Philip who um, overhears the Ethiopian in the chariot uh, reading the Bible. He overhears him reading the Bible because he's talking it out loud. And so he asks him a question about it and he jumps on board and starts to explain it to him and then they have this Bible study and he comes to faith and he's baptized and, and the rest uh, goes with that. So God says to Joshua here, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Or in some versions, do not let my word depart from your mouth, but keep it there. Someone once said that if you don't talk to your Bible, it's unlikely it will talk back to you. <laughs> if that's true, don't shout at it. Okay, that's all I'm saying. But there is something dynamic about really engaging with the Bible. You know, how the Old Testament informs our understanding of the New Testament. How the New Testament refers back to uh, the truths of the prophets and the Old Testament and uh, all that is there. You know, and the disciples experienced this dynamism at the point where they were, seemed most lost, most dejected and most defeated. And uh, it's just after Jesus has died. And they're walking along this road on the way to a little village called Emmaus. And this strange traveler joins them uh, on their journey. They don't know who he is. He doesn't seem to know what has happened. And um, he just seems like another traveler. But suddenly his words begin to take 
an unusual turn in their hearts, in their lives. And they say this later on. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And he begins with Moses and all the prophets and he unpacks all about the Messiah and all that would happen. Okay, a, a walking, talking Bible study uh, here. Um, there was a guy called John Sherrill and he wrote a book about this discovery in his own life uh, in a book he called um, My Friend the Bible. And he says this, he says, could it be that Jesus is still opening the scriptures to us individually now as we face specific problems or challenges? Then, as he's on his journey kind of thinking this through, he reads these words from a former president, Woodrow Wilson, who said this, I'm sorry for those who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and the pleasure. And he goes on and he says, it is one of the most singular books in the, bi- in the world. For every time you open it, some old text that you've read a score of times suddenly beams with a new meaning. There is no other book I know of of which this is true. There is no other book that yields its meaning so personally that seems to fit itself so intimately to the very spirit that is seeking its guidance. And so this guy's journey began uh, with the Bible, discovering and allowing God's word to glow in his heart and speak right into his life. And one of the journeys that is recorded in these first kind of five books of, of the Bible, it's part of the, the book of the law that was passed on to Joshua, um, was when the Israelites had just come out of Egypt. They just escaped. They just fled from Pharaoh in Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea. And uh, they're stuck out in the desert. And in Exodus chapter 16, the people start grumbling because they appear to have nothing to eat. No food seems to be around. And then verse 4, God says to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven so you can be fed. And so the people are to go out every day and they're to gather for that day from the, um, the food that, that God will provide. And in this way, he says, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So they would gather it in the morning and uh, when the sun got hot, it melted. So it was a classic case of snooze you lose. If you didn't get it, you didn't get it. And um, they had to use it and eat it that day. It had an eat before date on it. And if you kept it overnight, then it, it kind of started to smell and it got maggots. So it only lasted for that day, uh, except for the Sabbath when they rested and it would miraculously last for two days. And it was called manna, which simply meant, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. They just said, what is it? And, uh, you know, I can imagine a voice coming down and saying, well, children, this is a nutritious daily food stuff. And um, it is bread from heaven, second only to Greg's festive bake. And um, that comes a few chapters later. They flew in, I think. But then in the New Testament, in John chapter 6, we read of Jesus, okay? And this is where the New Testament kind of captures the the Old Testament. And he feeds the 5,000 with bread and with fishes. And then he starts to teach them about God's spiritual bread, He's like, this is not just about physical food. This is about spiritual food for our lives. Verse 31, he refers back to our forefathers who ate the manna in the desert, the bread from heaven. And then verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. And then in verse 51, he says, feed on me. He says, eat my flesh and eat my blood. 
And the disciples are going, this is weird. There's no, how, how do I eat your flesh and blood? I'm not a cannibal. This is strange. And when we come to the Bible, there are strange things in there that we have to unpack and understand. But Jesus then goes on and he says to the Jewish disciples who are trying to think this stuff, he says, this is spiritual language. I don't mean physically eat me. You know, don't start chewing on my fingers. But it is spiritual language that says, receive my word. Okay, receive my word. Verse 63 of that passage goes on and says, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And eventually, Peter seems to get it. And he says, where else will I go? Everyone's turning away because your, your, your words are too difficult. They're all turning away. But where will I go? You have the words of eternal life. And he's beginning to understand it is about God's words. God's word is heavenly food that nourishes our spiritual life and gives us real life um, for the lives that we live. So then we can take that back into uh, Exodus 16 and the narrative about the manna for a moment um, with that in mind and maybe just unwrap some of the aspects that there might be um, that we can apply to God's word in our own lives. What feeding on God's word, how that might be like feeding on the manna. So firstly, they gathered the manna daily. Okay, every morning they had to feed on it every day and we can apply that to our life. God's word is daily nutrition for our lives. Okay? And it is highly nutritious. It was enough for these guys to do a day's marching. Okay? God's word is enough for you for whatever challenges that you face. He will give you enough as you engage with it for all the things that you have at work, in life, um, whatever it might be. Okay? At New Year, you know, the health gurus are very quick to remind us, you know, if you don't exercise for three days, then you start losing muscle tone. You know, your vitamins need replenishing every day. Uh, lots of things need that exercise and nutrition. And so it is with our spiritual health. You know, if we don't stay close to the Bible, then within three days we are getting spiritually flabby. And uh, we find we lack that spiritual power when the challenge comes in our lives. Um, and we just find we don't have what we need um, for what God uh, has called us into. Alongside that, you know, as they gathered the manna, there's, there's a humility to it as well as we approach God's words. You know, they, they probably had to get down on their knees. They certainly had to stoop pretty low to pick up this stuff. And so we come with humility before God's word, uh, recognizing um, our need of it, but also um, how, you know, how we approach it. They were disciplined every day. You know, they developed a pattern. Um, they might do it together uh, even. You know, what will help you in your kind of discipline and in your pattern, to develop a pattern in your life. It may be to ask someone to hold you to account to something that you want to do. It may be to write down a plan. So we've got a plan of what that might look like as we engage with the Bible uh, through this year and can commit to that. Um, secondly, they gathered it freshly. Now this is slightly different to daily. And what I mean by this is there's a subtle difference because the manner they gathered was for today, not for tomorrow. Okay, they had to use it that day. Um, it was consumed that day. It was not of a lot of use the following day. And there's a sense in which God wants to feed our minds and souls each day for that day. That he will give us something that will be practically useful then and there, somewhere in the day. Famously, Jesus is faced with the temptations. Remember in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, and um, if you know the passage, Jesus is faced with these temptations when the devil appears to him and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus' response to them, okay, and many of us know this, he quotes three parts 
of the Bible. Okay? He just quotes God's word as a kind of weapon um, against that. Man shall not live on bread alone, is his first one. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. But interestingly, where do those three verses come from? They come from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Okay? It is highly likely that Jesus had read Deuteronomy chapter 6, 7, and 8 that morning. Okay? And within whatever he'd read, he had enough to take on the challenges that were massive that faced him um, in those, that 24-hour period. Okay, that was his kind of manner for the day uh, reading. So it's fresh for us. Thirdly, eat it, pretty obvious. Internalize it, bite it, chew it, um, taste it, swallow it. Internalize it, make it part um, of our lives. It has to become part of our bodies. If we leave it outside, it rots, but we can store it only in the jars of our cells. So we have to take it into ourselves. Jesus had internalized those verses to use them as part of his kind of spiritual weaponry that day. He said this to his followers. He said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I taught you. But God, God can only bring back to mind what is already in your mind. Okay? And therefore, we have to engage with it so that it's in here. Um, and, uh, um, and then we can speak it out and release the power of it in the situations we might face. And then fourthly, is really about obedience. But obedience is really about being energized by it. It's letting God's word take hold in our lives so that we, we want to live it out. We want to uh, obey it. We want to uh, be energized by it. Exodus, again, chapter 16, verse 20, uh, we learn that some paid no attention to God's instructions about the manna. And so they discover it doesn't pay off. Um, they don't follow his pattern. And so God has developed a pattern and a design that we can follow. And the, the pattern is there to trust the people at that time. Will they trust him in this? Because he's going to give them harder tests later on. Or will they disobey him? Um, and so with us, will we trust God's word? And will we obey it and live it out? You know, will you continue uh, this year to, to kind of develop uh, a pattern and plan of, of reading and studying uh, God's words, God's promises um, for our lives? And there's so many ways you can do this. And, I've just, and you'll have many more ways than, than I can think of. You know, take a passage. Just take a simple passage and study it. Or maybe you want to take a book uh, and study a book. You know, maybe you want to start with just a short book uh, or one that particularly draws your interest. Um, a character in the Bible, you know, it may be, um, you know, a Moses or a Joshua or a Joseph or an Esther or a Ruth uh, in the Old Testament or maybe one of the characters in the New Testament like a Peter. Um, do a word study, you know, a word that fascinates you. Find out more about it. How is it used throughout the Bible? Study an issue that you've got an interest in. But have a plan um, of what you might do. Just a few resources as we come to a close. Um, if you want an introduction to how to kind of begin to engage with the Bible uh, or how to study it, I recommend this book by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Um, it's definitely worth uh, a look. Um, there's also uh, on the website, the Riverside Church uh, website, if you go to the footer down at the bottom right, there's a life group resource uh, section that will bring up this. And within the study guide section, um, there is uh, it's a free download 
um, of a Bible overview course. You get a 10 minute video and you get a, like a, a 60 minute Bible study and it just looks at the whole of the Bible to give us a grasp of God's big picture. Um, and again, that's, that's available uh, through the website. Um, also, there is a reading the Bible study ideas. Again, just simple ideas um, if that's something that you want to look at um, as well.